Hey, all you Arizona lovers, this is the Finding Arizona podcast, episode number 213. I am your host, Jose. Thank you so much for listening. Today's guest, Mr. Abel of Moscow Correno. I want to say thank you to him for coming out. I really appreciate you. On top of that, he was also at our wedding, uh, distributing some of the tastings of this beautiful spirit. It's not only a spirit, but it's a family tradition. He is a co-owner with the great-grandson who started this, and he and his friend are out here in the U.S. making things happen for them. As Mascal becomes more and more popular, it has become uh, a stable for those two to go out and tell everyone about it and about how they make it. So shout out to both of them, both Abel and his co-owner and co-founder. So before you guys go and start tasting this stuff, I appreciate you all and I hope that you will go and take the opportunity to learn how it's made. It is all on their website. Everything is linked below. I try and make it easy for you guys to connect with our guests. So that leads me into our business side. You can hear every episode of Finding Arizona Podcast at FindingArizonaPodcast.com. Again, we make it easy for you guys to connect with us. So on social media, we are under Finding Arizona Podcast. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would also like to be a part of our intro in our community corkboard, you can send us a email at Podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to become a super fan, there is a way for you guys to do that. That is through patreon.com slash finding Arizona podcast. There we have what's called Fine Examination, a bonus podcast where we ask 50 questions of every guest who come through our door and it is so much fun for them it's like a palate cleanser it is they honestly love the questions but on top of that they're interesting question it makes them think it makes them question a lot of things in their life too so if you'd like to see someone just like oh man uh i don't know this is a place to do it so go sign up patreon.com slash finding arizona podcast last but not least is our community corkboard i'm so excited because there's so much going on this holiday season so let's kick it off uh the tucson takeover at the church hill is happening today from 11 to 3 so go check it out there are so many tucson vendors there it is going to be a lot of fun Festivus 2019 is coming back from uh, December 12th and uh, December 19th. You will be able to shop, shop, shop downtown over at the Phoenix Public Market. There's a lot of vendors, so go check it out. Tickets are still available now. Last but not least, a witchcrafted market that's taking place December 22nd for Yuletide Fun. If you want to go over to the Luke Greenway American Legion Post, over at 364 North 7th Avenue, Phoenix, Arizona, on December 22nd from 3 to 9 p.m. There will be vendors there. It's going to be filled with crafters, clothing, vintage uh, linens, all kinds of themed goodies. You guys need to go check this out. December 22nd, go to it. Um, Last but not least, we are going to be taking part of our favorite time of the year. That's Phoenix Flea, where we get to catch up with a lot of our friends who are doing doing Phoenix Flea. And so we encourage you guys to participate and uh, tell us what you want to hear. Tell us which vendor you want us to record with. Uh, Let us know so that we can go out and seek them. We always love catching up with our friends, on top of which we always love meeting new people. That is the end of our intro. I'm so happy because there's a lot of noise going on in the neighborhood. So this is my chance to say thank you to everyone for listening. I really appreciate getting here to 213 and it's only going to be so much more fun we have a lot of things in the books a lot of holiday fun program things that are coming down the works so keep your ears tuned to us if you're listening to this on any kind of uh subscription based uh platform please like and subscribe because it's not only for us it's for every person like abel and like our previous guests it is for them to get to the top of the charts not us so until next time guys i will uh, say happy holidays and be safe see you later hey arizona did you know next gen partner strategies offers full service business solutions for small and large arizona companies including payment processing payroll protection and telemedicine you can call 888-680 Four six seven seven to find out just how business ownership got easier. What is it you do and why do you do it? Here at Finding Arizona Podcast, we love to showcase that. And so do our friends at Every Impression Counts. 
They offer free strategy consultations so you can envision the possibilities for your business or idea, such as websites, social media management, paid advertising like the top of Google, along with advertising on Facebook, Instagram, Snap, video production, photography, podcasting, SEO, blogging, analytics, and so much more. In today's world, it's never been so cost-effective to produce and distribute content with the tools that you have at your disposal. If you've ever thought, what if, just have a combo with my friends at Every Impression Counts. You can find them at eic.agency or check out what they're up to by following them on Instagram and Facebook at Every Impression Counts and tell them Finding Arizona Podcast sent you. that in absolutely i'm just i'm just starting it up right now and then uh yeah let's uh let's just begin welcome back everybody to finding arizona podcast i am your host jose like always we bring in someone very special every week and today i'm happy to say we brought in someone who is at our wedding first off thank you again for coming you you mastered that and you oh, yeah. dealt with all of the drama and everything in between. So, they, ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Abel here introduce himself, his full name, and then his business because I want to make sure that the name comes off very eloquently and very <laughs> special because it is a uh, Mexican name. It is from Mexico, mm-hmm. so I want to make sure that every bit of the name, everything <laughs> that nuance, everything beautiful about it is fully, fully intact. So I'm going to give it up to Abel here, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Abel. All right, thank you, Jose. Uh, it is my name is Abel Ariaga. I am one of the owners of Mezcal Carreño, uh, U.S. We are the U.S. side of our family's mezcal business. So Ivan Carreño is the other half to this business. We're exclusively available in Arizona and we import and wholesale a beautiful um, artisanal spirit made from wild agaves down in Oaxaca. And Carreño is hard to pronounce, but easy to love. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of things that goes into what we're about to talk about. Um, You know, first off, I want to say thank you for coming in because I know that you could have been doing a ton of other things to help support your local family business. Um, Again, you guys are a family business. There's a there's a deep history behind it. I mean, just from the video that I saw of I don't know, is that the grandmother of Uh, the the land that it's on? No, that's Lorena. So that's the Thea, the aunt. Yeah, the Thea. Um, Okay. Yep, and that's the hacienda land that you're seeing there. Yeah, and that was it was completely beautiful that like yeah. how she broke it down and just kind of there's a deep rooted history in her family mm-hmm. that um, traditionally making this beverage, this spirit, um, you know, there's so much that goes into it. I'm gonna ask first off, is can I interject you, one quick? Sure, because uh, you you thank me for coming to the wedding, but for me it was very beautiful to be part of it. Um, my wife, uh, she's an engineer, so she had been gone for a month. She was still gone at that time. Yeah. And seeing yours and Brittany's love, like, really made me just, you know, feel more love for my wife. It oh, was kind of like, you, you know, man. a peak, you know, that rem- watching you guys from the back and, and seeing, you know, the way she was able to confess her, her love to you and you the same. It, it reminded me of my wife and it just made me like, as soon as she gets home, I'm going to hug her and kiss her even harder yeah. because I was here. It's, it's one of the things we laugh together, like when we got to do our own wedding or, you know, go to a wedding as a married couple. It was great to not deal with those stresses. Like, you said, <laughs> yeah. about, like it makes you feel good. Like, oh, man, I've been there. It. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you can appreciate it. But for me, her not being, I think it was like the towards the last few days of her being gone mm-hmm. um, and just feeling the love for you guys that you guys had for each other just really kind of helped me solidify my love, you know, my, oh, reinvigorate awesome. my love for my wife, which I was already there, but it was just nice to see that moment and then think about her and, and remembering some of that stuff. So yeah. I was happy to be here first off because you had great, great people and family and friends, but that was the kind of the moment that I wanted to share that it was a, a peek behind my own, like curtain past that i gotta yeah i gotta steal from you guys that's awesome so, yeah. thank you for that 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 really did make my day right now because i you know in in real live timeline of the actual wedding i was very much like we were like when we got to basically when we were sitting mm-hmm. down and you get and you know like had us um you know mm-hmm. we drank the traditional drink uh you know in the while we were signing the documents and then we came outside <laughs> And I had probably been space cadet all the way until about when we sat down for our dinner mm-hmm. and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. It yeah. was very much like a, 
I was like, what just happened? What what came over me? And so, yeah, thank you for that. That really does mean a lot to both Brittany and I and especially me. Um, that's 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 what we wanted to do for everyone yeah. who was there. Yeah, no, it was great. Yeah, and it's tough. Weddings are getting pulled. You were, you were, you were in and out, in and out, hey, hey, in and yeah. out, in and out. And I was just trying to. I felt your your busyness of, of trying to get everything else. I'm just gonna help the bartender. Like, yeah. let me, let me, what do you need? I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do yeah. my own work because I'll set up pretty quick. And so I was just trying to help her get. Oh, her that's, we, and we appreciated yeah. that. We we totally knew that you went above and beyond just what you were called for. And to see you just kind of go with the punches like that, that really made our day. And you know, I advocate for anyone who can, you know spin multiple plates at a time so this is going to be fun for me so again let's talk about how you met ivan okay um i want to first get into that because he is your business partner yep. and there is definitely a bond between you two especially yeah correct so ivan me, uh, me and ivan um have two different paths that crossed he is oaxacan born mm. and came up when he was five years old with his mom and his dad and okay. so he's oaxacan born arizona raised I myself am Arizona raised, but my grand, I'm a third gen Arizona native on my mom's side and then second gen Mexican American on my dad's side. So my, my grandfather on my dad's side came up from Guanajuato. And okay. so we're that perfect blend where he was, he was born in Oaxaca, but Arizona was where he really grew to be a person and a man. And for me, I have these Arizona roots and ties that are deep, but then I also have my Mexican roots. So mm -hmm. I think we're that perfect blend of culture. And I think we are the new Mexicans where we have just that, that feeling of, being different, but also being part of the community that, that is sure. the U.S. and then also that is Arizona. I, I'm I'm very very prideful about my my love for Arizona, ASU, all those yeah. things. Um, and I think it shows in our business. And so for me and him, we actually went to the same high school together. I didn't know him. I was a couple of years older <laughs> nice. than him, so I didn't know him. We went to Trevor Brown, so we were both West Side boys. Okay, uh, growing nice. up out there, and then we ended up really connecting at Circuit City. So that tells you Circuit City was big back then. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were car audio. So he was uh, install operations and then yeah. I was sales. And that's kind of our, our role today. <laughs> okay. Uh, but our, our relationship started from there. And, you know, I, he, he taught me a bunch of stuff. I, I did a bunch of trips with him down to Oaxaca, Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I've taught him snowboarding. And he, he, <laughs> the, the thing I probably don't get to talk about enough is our, our bond. We, we aren't brothers, but we are. Um, my dad died in a car wreck and Ivan was there for me during oh, wow. that, that crash. Yeah. Um, it was my, right when I was in starting my second year at, uh, or first year at ASU. Huh. And I think you really can see a person's character by when they're there for you and when things aren't going good, when it's, Absolutely. it's the tough times. Um, and so being in a bit of a, a Business partnership with your best friend is tough. Uh, we, we never had a fight until we started the business together. We had our first fight down in Oaxaca. And then yeah. like five, 10 minutes later, I was like, compa. I was like, we just had our first fight. He goes, oh, yeah, we did. But <laughs> so we but we knew getting, diving into this business, we had that conversation up front. Like, hey, our, our relationship is most important. Yeah. We know it's not going to be easy, but we're there for each other. We, we believe in each other and we're going to do this successfully. And, and that's really what kind of has propelled us. Uh, but we've done everything from doing stuff with Every Day I'm Deviling at, at ASU. It's like another segment group <laughs> to now doing this. And yeah. we both have our regular jobs. He's still in the corporate world. I have another small business that uh, I do. And then we do this full, full, full time. So it's like yeah, we, yeah. we have two full time jobs that we're just rocking and rolling with. And Absolutely, this yeah. is definitely our passion. We, we talk about it everywhere we go. My wife probably wishes I would talk a little bit less about it. And I, <laughs> I try for her for her sakes, but it's really hard because I I. I am already a butterfly, and then now I know so many. I thought I knew a lot of people growing up here. Now you and, know more, oh, and it's yeah. just like, oh, the, she, she like, <laughs> she like. If I went down to ASU, or if I went any, like, even still, even around downtown, you know, I get recognized in little things like yeah. that and then i'm like hey what's up and da, da, da. and then you get into like talking about like stuff that you know probably old stuff or you know new stuff that you're working on and she's just like oh here he goes again yeah. like mayor of whatever <laughs> and um and i just I, my dad's like that like i feel like generationally that's what my family has been into is just being able to communicate and talk with people it's mm -hmm. been fun to to experience that with her too, because it also helps me understand that my relationship to these people and my relationship to my wife is different, two different things. So there's a lot of things that she knows that my, a lot of people don't know, but at the same time, she also knows that I am that social butterfly. Yeah. It's like, I need that to like, be able to talk to people and be able to go out and, you know, conversate and be extrovert 
And you're you're an architect by trade, landscape right? architect. Landscape yeah, architect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what what did your dad do? So he was for a very long time. He's a handyman now. Okay. So he has his own business right now. But okay. before that, he was like a tech. Like he would have to go and talk to um, machine. He was a machine tech, okay. so he would go out and fix. Um, coffee machines, all sorts of like dispensing machines of all sorts to these commercial businesses. Okay, that makes sense why he was yeah. that talk because he'd always have new people coming in Absolutely. and probably asking about what do you, what do you, what is this? What are yeah. you fixing? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so they also want to know like how does it work or what do mm -hmm. I have to do next time if it breaks yeah. or you know what are some of the maintenance stuff that I have to keep in mind. So he had to be able to socially talk like that with. Um, a business owner and also be able to maintain a level of business for his own um, for his own sake, because he had a lot of the times, you know, he had business owners trying to cut deals with him, even though he's not licensed to do these things or he's not licensed to cut deals or mm -hmm. make you know changes to any orders. He's working for another business. So it's just kind of like he had to. He had to maintain a level of professionalism, but also maintain a level of courtesy and fun that relationship, you know, yeah, relationship yeah, with people, yeah. too. So it's just really cool to kind of see where how I got that from him and how I get different things from my mom. And, you know, you start to realize the person that you are kind of bits and pieces of your past and your family yeah. and things like that. So it's 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 weird now looking back at it. But back then, when I was a kid, I was like so over everyone be thinking that I'm talking like my dad or I'm like trying to be like my dad. So yeah. A hundred percent. Everything you said, uh, um, my dad was a bartender for most of my adult life. He started painting towards the um, end before uh, the accident. And I realized now he was training me, his, his ability to talk to people. Everyone knew him as Paul, the bartender. Yeah. Yeah. And he just had that way to connect to people. And I look at it and I smile now, you know, he's, he was preparing me for what I had to do. Yeah. It's because he Most just, deaf. he was just that person and he just always had that ability to c connect to people. Yeah. And I remember driving the car and always tell the stories like, oh, this is this. And I'm the same way now. If I got someone yeah. in the car, I'm like yeah. pointing out like, oh, this is Thunderbird Lounge. They just recently opened. It's really cool. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I am him. Uh, 100%. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you know, that's the great thing about it too sometimes is that I know for one of my own kind of like my grandfather passed and Brittany was there for me. When he passed, it was so hard to remember some of the things that he tried to tell me and some of the stories that he like he really wanted to tell me stories all the time. And, you know, I was a little kid. I would fall asleep in the car or I wouldn't mm -hmm. pay attention. And it was just like I was a little kid. That's what I kind of keep back to. But I wish upon wishing upon wishing a hundred times over that I wish I would remember some of these things because I know how important they were for him. And I know how important it is now knowing that he's gone you know, I might not be able to get or remember those things or, you yeah. know, I might not get a second chance to to go back and look back at some of the historical pieces that he had special to him and his memories. Mm. Um, are you so one of the things that you brought to us is kind of um, you had brought up the idea of that these are made from different genres or different types of agaves. Mm. I was looking up some of the plants that you guys grow and one of the things that we you also have to keep in mind is how many agaves you grow on your land is that or is that is it specific to how many you import no so everything so they're they're different species of agave and they all vary in terms of their um growth time years yeah. anywhere from you know from eight to 25 years to yeah. grow so we're we're in a unique point right now where we have all silvestres they're they're wild agaves so okay they're all, they're grown on communal land mexico to be to dive in the history really quick the last revolution the, the poor were getting taken advantage of. And so there's this big uprising. And so now everything is kind of community driven where the community, no one really, there's still private land that like we have at the Hacienda, certain stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But the majority of Mexico is uh, communal. So mm -hmm. me, you and Britt all have, we, we live in Phoenix and well, you're going to have this land over here that you're going to grow corn on. Well, when that corn is ready to harvest, you have to pay a small amount to the community because you were in essence renting the land, but it's only based upon mm -hmm. what you're, actually taking off from it so okay. if Britt wants to do tomatoes over here she would grow them and then when she's ready to harvest she would have to pay so in essence it's like a rent but based upon what you're taking off and that, that money then goes back to the community and you have a mayor like a vice mayor and a secretary and those three people rotate in power so that way you don't have corruption or someone that just starts mm -hmm. taking advantage yeah um but that's 
because these plants take for so long, we take one out, we put one down, and then you just kind of leave them. You see all the agaves mm -hmm. around here. They just they grow. They're they're great because they can just grow on their own. Very yeah. little water use. Uh, but we're starting to plant now. We're on that cutting edge of agriculture. Okay. A couple of our species take, um, like our tobaceche takes twelve to fourteen years. Yeah, Tepistate I was reading about that. Twenty to twenty-five. We're starting to cultivate those. So we have the their huelos are little babies. Mm -hmm. We're going to be putting some plants down. Like me and I even kind of joke around about it. We're we're putting some plants down the next couple of years where our, our kids are going to be the ones that to drink the mezcal it. with us. Well, they'll drink the mezcal with us. We don't have kids yet. Like yeah. it's long, <laughs> yeah, it's long a long term process. Goal. Yeah. Um, but those ones will be slightly different because they're cultivated. But no one's ever had to cultivate them. Because it's never been needed. But now there's this big okay. consumption of mezcal. Yeah. Not just here, globally, Europe, um, Australia, there's there's mezcal bars popping up all over the place. And you've seen it with tequila. Tequila is a global spirit. It just keeps growing and growing. Yeah. And they they farm exclusively the Blue Weber, the tequiliana. Yeah. And we'll get to that point, but that's going to be a generation or two away from... Mm -hmm. There's so much land that's still available that can that's be planted. That is long-term, long-term, yeah. like, growing. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen some of the images of those being, you know, chopped down to their root and what mm -hmm. they use for specific for the drink. And it is, they're huge. They're, like, three, four times bigger than the than humans. Um, but one of the things that I find interesting is being that I am a landscape architect. So how have you guys approached kind of the um, sustainability because of the water and because of things changing throughout, mm -hmm. you know, history, time, culture, and on top of that, um, in the environment as well, as you start to notice, you know, there's a lot more drought in the area, particularly uh, Rio Grande and some of the other facets of Mexico, mm -hmm. you'll start to see a lot more drought and a lot more um, fires going along, uh, along with that. How have you guys kind of, mm, I guess, honed in your skills enough to ma maintain a, a relative safety yeah so sustainability is a big thing for us um with our agricultural side right now all the all the plants really use very little water we we mean i even were down there two years ago we were planting espadine which is another varietal um that one grows relatively quick in agave terms which is five to eight years uh ivan's dad was gonna have to start watering them because we put them down and normally like their rainy season correlates to ours like the monsoon time yeah well everyone's getting way more dynamic weather conditions and it wasn't coming. So we were gonna have to pay to have a truck come out wow. and actually spray to water the hijuelos, the babies, because they, 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 needed, they, the, needed, they yeah. needed the water. But luckily, like the water came, the rains came and then it just dumped. And so yeah. with all farming, like you're going to have to worry, you know, worry about things like that. In the wild, if that happens, you're not going to know because again, you're not, you're not out there. They're, they're on yeah. the sides of hills and everywhere that, you know, when we harvest those piñas, which is the, the heart of the agave, you normally have like a burro or a donkey, like, to, to take it to the road to where the truck's at. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have that access to water them. But again, the species of agave are, are just, they're very strong. They're a very strong mm -hmm. plant. So they're built to survive those. Yeah. Obviously, some, like even some of the ones we planted have died for just different reasons. Um, but that's the one side is, and again, Oaxaca is so far south. So mm -hmm. talking about the water conditions up in the Rio don't affect it because that water, I mean, you're, you know, you're it's not, not going to make its way down. It's yeah. already reach the ocean by then so we, we try to reuse um some of the back also the, the shredded fibers there you can make them into pots yeah stuff like that nice coffins like there's a company that makes them and puts them into, wow. into coffins yeah. we're, we're stuff like that uh but I'm, really mo the the bank is like when you're cutting off the parts of the plant you're not able to really repurpose those um the, the pinas we use well water for what we're using when we're distilling yeah um the sustainability for us is more like on our product trying to reuse our bottles like i was telling yeah. you earlier we um are one of my, my bartender friends michael over at the the brickyard out in chandler he he's cutting the top of our bottle off mm -hmm. and then i i have um gloria who i found at the global home she has a um it's an antique store mm -hmm. on indian school and they have a candle maker in the back yeah. and so there were repurposing our bottles to be made into candles we're going to repurpose them to make them uh with some little succulents yeah. and so different ways like that to to reuse what what we have we try to reuse as many of our cups when we're doing our tastings like we want people yeah, sure. to share them i have some bartenders that won't even use plastic cups like no give me i'll use a glass i don't like the glass as much because it's a bigger pour and i'm trying yeah, to just yeah, pour yeah. a little bit yeah, yeah um but for us that's more of the sustainability that we have because again most of our stuff is very labor intensive and it's plant it's yeah. water and it's fire 
Like that's what creates, yeah. yeah, and everything is able to get reused. The the big thing though is is firewood, and so there's certain trees that you can plant where they will grow, and you can cut off limbs. Oh, okay, and nice. They'll grow like that for 50 years, and you can keep growing the limbs, and they'll keep growing back. Oh, okay. So we're trying to get yeah. the funds to plant those at the hacienda, but we're also trying to plant yeah. the agave. So it's a balance of what to do right now to be successful, but also that plan for the future, and that's the, yeah. the juggling of, of business. Yeah, to keep the yeah. two in line. Yeah, because if we're not successful now, mm. what we're planning for the future won't won't matter. But at the same time, if we're not planning for the future, what we're doing now won't won't yeah. matter. Yeah. Have you guys thought about doing? Because this is one of the other things that we've um, conditioned for as landscape architects. You know, when it comes to those dry route, like in Texas, areas are now starting to do rainwater catchment, and rainwater catchment does wonders for, especially when it comes to agriculture and mm. things like that, and. You know, in those dry areas where you can collect your own water on the ground. I don't know what the law, water laws are or anything like that. But, you know, in areas of Africa, water catchment is necessary because mm. the well waters are too um, too polluted to drink from or too um, infested with, you know, mosquitoes oh, wow. and, and things like that. So, you know, that's kind of one aspect that you guys could look at. I mean, especially with that scenario of like sometimes you're little ones need water right away and you know to decide the factor between you know buying a tank of water that costs you set amount or you know buying a tank that you can hold water for a year's worth of planting mm -hmm. you know on your own land for you know whatever amount of period of time and you can delineate as you need i mean i think that overall i always people with like long-term businesses like yeah. this or it's like you got to think long-term sustainability yeah. and those pieces you know as costly as they may seem up front but overall and long-term especially when you guys are looking at 8 12 mm -hmm. 18 20 years down the road where you're harvesting these things that you just planted and cultivated i think that overall i think that's going to be something that for your family and for the future of the company would benefit wisely in a sort of sense, but yeah. you know, that's just, I always like to give people little, little pieces of like ideas that I have in my head, like right off the bat, like right off. Cause I think it'd be fun. I think it would be cool to kind of show how you guys literally take a droplet of water and how it is so important to your business from planting to distilling to mm -hmm. whatever aspect. And then the other aspect of fire, it's like, you have a whole basically a museum tour of like water and fire, just your two yeah. basic elements. And then you have the plants like you have these systems that you can show off and and kind of cater to someone who's interested in it, like myself, yeah. <laughs> as you can hear my interest in agaves, planting, okay. water, yeah, agricultural design. Yeah, yeah, I, get yeah. It. <laughs> yeah I mean, vineyards have been doing it for years. And I, I think that a lot of businesses should take note of that, like, you know, as much as it's such a different element. There are mm -hmm. aspects to it that I think would help relatively well with any business that does with our agriculture and, you know, collecting plants and selling it. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Yeah. And then uh, are you guys like, um, so what's been your favorite? I guess my question would be is from the different <clears throat> types of agave comes out different flavors. Correct. Which yeah. one has been your favorite? Uh, the one I have in front of us, Tobasiche. Oh. Okay, nice. So I can't remember what I gave you guys after you went. I probably would have went to this or maybe the Ensemble Siete. So each, we call them expressions. Each one is a different um, varietal. So Tobala, yeah. Tobasiche, Tepestate are the three separate ones that are just one species of agave. Mm -hmm. And then we have Ensemble Siete, which is a blend of seven um, wild agave. So I try to tell people, it's like wine. You have, you know, Mezcal is the grandfather, the very top of the umbrella. Tequila is simply a type of mezcal. It's a certain agave from a certain place. Yeah. Um, Jalisco and Guadalajara in, in the central part. And then you have Racia, Bacanora, Sotol, Northeast, Northwest, yeah. and Central. And then you have mezcal, which is about 12 different states, all okay. in the southern part of Mexico. And then again, from there, then subcategories into all the different species. Madre, nice. Quiche, Quiche, Mexicano. And so Tobasiche part of the Karwinski family. Karwinski is a German name from the botanist that named them that um, discovered that that family. And of agave. Of agave, correct. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. And so it looks, that's why like Blue Weber has a name, Blue Weber. Yeah. It's, Weber. Yeah. Weber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, and so 
the Tobasiche just looks so different. That's why it tastes so different. It looks um, like a Joshua tree. Okay. People, people yeah. think all agaves are just that same standard. The Dequiliana, just that yeah. big one with the sharp swords. Our, yeah. our Tobola is very small. You know, it, when it grows mature after 10 to 15 years, about the size of an oversized basketball hmm. and it's rosette shaped versus being the long sword like. Our yeah. Tepestate is similar in size to your Dequiliana, but instead of it having those uh, sword ankas, which are their, their leaves, they're like floppy kind of ears mm-hmm. with, with spikes yeah. on them. And so each one really tells its own story, but it, it tastes different. So nice. Tob- I like Tobasichi because it gives you a little bit of sweetness, smokiness, but it has that strength that, mm-hmm. that's with mezcal. And, you know, it's, mezcal is definitely an acquired taste, but once you really learn to appreciate it, I, I prefer to sip it if it's just, you know, what what do you like to do? But I, when people, I get this question a lot, like, what's your favorite way to enjoy it? And for me, that question is, well, what have I drank a couple days before? <laughs> what time of day is it right now? Yeah. And what's the weather outside and who am I with? Because that's going to determine, you know, yeah, definitely. What, what, what I'll do. If, you know, Mixologist wants to make me something great. I'm like, oh, that sounds, you know, put some orgeat or green chartreuse. Because we're, we're in a mixology world and they're they're mad scientists with their flavor profiles. And I love yeah. trying to learn from them because they have such a passion for all spirits and, and combining it. And so when they want to make something unique, I'm like, yeah, totally. Let me let me try that and put ours as the base in there. Yeah. Uh, but Tobasiche is just um, a really unique one in terms of what it what it offers people. Dude, that's taste. so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know if you got a chance to see the ones out in back here, the one for the wedding mm-hmm. that, that we put back there. And those are just uh, Desmetiana, which is, I forget what that's, what the, I forget. It's like a, just a simple, like no, no spikes, very like more aloe than yeah. <laughs> agave is just yeah, like they're all succulents so yeah, people succulent, realize they, yeah. they think they're cactus but they're actually a succulent yeah and so like i love i love like i have a big book of agave plant like totally. about agaves and like kind of the history but it's just like my those are so unique to the area the mm-hmm. southwest area and just you know i i find them so fascinating like they're so unique in the sense that they look like creatures almost every single one of them has their own kind of personality so that's why i believe in the way the flavor profile is dependent on just kind of the uniqueness of the plant too as well i mean you'll i i feel like if i were to try the sweeter one like i would could tell like some other ones that are like more green than blue or something mm-hmm. like that you could kind of get into determine depending on the taste and everything like yep, that yeah exactly how long do you smoke these for or how long do you bake them for so yeah so the 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 entire process takes about 28 days from when you harvest the pinos which is the heart to when you're actually able to bottle up and so there's some steps in there where you okay we're, we're doing it artisanally so we we don't want to speed it up and so once we harvest the pina we then cook it in an earthen pit the orno is in the ground so mm-hmm. it's a um, giant hole in the ground surrounded with lava rocks depending on the weather conditions outside it will it'll bake within there we we pour water on these embers once we have it mm-hmm. um, covered in a dirt mound and then that, that creates steam and smoke and that's what cooks the pinas for three to five days okay. and then from there you gotta let them rest it's it's like a steak almost you don't want to because if you try to smash them they would just be hot and sticky okay um imagine yeah. like a, a fresh freshly baked cake like if you yeah. let it rest it's way easier to cut it than if you try uh, to cut it right yeah. away okay and then from there we do what's called a tahona wheel so it's a big two thousand pound like caveman wheel it smashes the agave and it's very similar to like your mortar and pesto when you're smashing or you're, you're making guacamole mm-hmm. you don't no. put it in a blender because there's a certain flavor profile to it yeah and that gets all the juices and fibers out you scoop all that up you put it in a pine vat and then we add well water and this is one of the things that i, I i'm very passionate about is i tell people we're not creating a formula we're creating art so we let the wild yeast of oaxaca get in there and so mm-hmm. ours comes from the central valley of oaxaca um that's what's floating around the ambient and again, Oaxaca is closer to South America than it is to um, like Guadalajara, Jalisco, that's closer to the U S yeah. and so you're, it's much more tropical. And so you get all these yeast in there, they get in there and they eat all those sugars. Cause when you, when you bite a cooked pina, you just, it's like biting into a, a really sweetened tea bag. Okay. And you taste yeah. that earthiness and the amount of sugars I have there from there. Once that acidity levels reached a certain point, you then have to double distill. And so you're distilling within 48 hours straight mm-hmm. because you don't want the acidity level to get too high. So there's there's a few different steps. And if, if you do each step just a little bit better, your, your final product is, is that much better. Okay, nice. I like that. Um, I know that there's a lot to that process. And I know that you, <laughs> you probably had firsthand knowledge of having to do the actual steps 
one by one. Which step is the most frustrating? Well, no, I I have never got a dupe. I was just there when they were distilling. Um, when we were distilling extra Tobasiche. Okay. When it was being distilled, I wanted to go down there and do it from start to finish, partly so I can learn Spanish better. Like it's hard for me to learn it because I, I have a hearing disability, so I don't hear like even English correctly. Okay. It it, it sounds um, when I'm hearing Spanish, a lot of it I make I even spell a lot of things like spell it, spell it because I can't hear the sounds properly. And so I would love oh. to be able to go down there and dive into it, you know, immerse myself because both my parents were half. So my, my grandfather was literally the milkman and hooked up with my Nana who was married at the time. So the oh, real, real life story, <laughs> real life yeah, story so going you guys on. See that milkman quote, like this true there's, life. There's a Rafael Arriaga. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he, my dad didn't learn Spanish. And then my mom, my Nana didn't teach it on my, on my mom's side because Arizona had a lot of racism at the time. And my, yeah. my grandfather uh, was a white German farmer and there, his family was like, you're not marrying this Mexican. He's like, yeah, I am. And so he, yeah. he married my Nana. And so wow. she, she didn't want to teach the language. I think now if she would see where the world's going and people love diversity, people love to be different. She would have taught the kids. Taught, yeah. But I think there's, you, I've seen that from, there's a big gap where that didn't happen mm-hmm. with a lot of Hispanics that I know where mm-hmm. their parents didn't want to teach some, you know, obviously there's a lot to do, but my, like my wife's from Mexico, but she grew up in California. She'll be able to help our child learn, mm-hmm. learn Spanish when we have a child. Um, but I think if our my grandparents would have seen what was coming and the mm-hmm. world we live in now, they would have made it a, a priority. And so I think going down there to yeah. do that whole process would teach me so much more. I've just seen it um, from different parts when I've gone down there. Um, but again, it's it's so difficult doing what we're doing here to try to go down there. Like I'm I'm trying to figure out when we can go more because this year I haven't even gone. I even went once for a wedding, but last year we were down there four times. It's just. Wow running this whole state just the two of us because i mean me and him are we're the we're the delivery drivers we're the marketers we're the shot girls we're we're the accountant like we do we do every step of this business and it just takes so much time plus doing our other you know trying to make a living just to pay for this because we're not taking any money out we're not making any money everything goes back in yeah um it's a lot we don't have the time to go down there and spend 30 days but i would love once this gets a little bit more operational on the u.s side to be able to go down there and do everything from start to finish. Absolutely. Um, I think that would be something yeah. special and unique mm-hmm. that most people or even most brewers probably like, um, you know, uh, for tequila, especially like for those long term drinks and like those mm-hmm. long term spirits that take time and effort and they don't get to f- fully embrace the lifestyle unless yeah. you're, you know, there from the whole process. Yeah. Um, I think that's so unique. And the same thing with with vineyards. I always find it so fascinating that some people have never ex- like bottled it themselves. Like in the sense of like you own a vineyard. Why wouldn't you want to, you know, do that? That seems like so much fun. Um, but I understand that part of it where, you know, time and effort yeah. into your own business goes a long way. Because, we, yeah, we're just two different parts. You know, Theo Lorena, she's the producer. So she's going down there. She's getting everything certified, working with the Mexican government. And then now we're we're the U.S. face of it, so mm. ours is really telling the story up there. I can tell you though, by far the most labor intensive and dangerous is harvesting the piñas because you have what's a tool called the coa, mm-hmm. and so you're chopping off yep. the pencas, and then you have to dig out that root. And I've uh, one of our buddies, Colton, like <laughs> actually another guy named Abel, he was down at one of the palenques and cut off like one of his toes. Yeah, so Ooh. that would be the one that I would be most cognizant of, and plus too the. When you look at the structure of agaves, they are built for protection. So their inner core is so sweet. That's mm-hmm. why they have those spikes to yep. protect them. So a burro doesn't come by or a javelina and they're trying to eat it. And that's so their, um, their pencas are, are, you know, bitter and almost like poisonous in essence. I had a, a bartender I met down in Tucson. He's like, yeah, me and my girlfriend, we tried to make it. She had some, you know, she had a bunch of family land in Tucson. They had agaves down there and we... They cut with chainsaw. Like we cut it with a chainsaw, all the leaves off. Well, it's splattering it on them. Yeah. They both broke out all over the place. They oh. they gave me a, a story of appreciation now for the spirit so much more because they tried to distill it themselves, but they were yeah. using what they thought was technology to be quicker. 
but in actuality, it was the exact opposite thing yeah. to do because they were getting all those juices from the banka, the, yeah. the leaves, squirted on them. And oh, it, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a different story. So yeah. I, I've never done it, but I'm I'm always curious and trying to learn from everybody. And so, um, ooh, yeah, that right. Really, just imagine you, you yeah. and Britt all broke out like. Just imagine like, fire glasses all over. I mean, essentially, yeah. what it is, it's yeah. the plant's reactional um, mm, secretion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, secretion and defense. You know, like you said, for other animals that try to eat it, it's essentially that. And same thing goes with a lot of other desert plants. You'll you'll start to see like, you know, secretions from uh, what was uh, Petalanthus. That's the what was elephant's food or something? Not elephant's food. um, Lady slipper. Mm. Lady slipper Petalanthus is like a stick um, succulent. And it's just you break it and it has like a white, milky white secretion. And they call it milkweed too, and it's like that stuff. If you get it on, you yep. break out for sure, and it's just really bad. But essentially, yeah, like that. And I, man, that would make me like really think the heavens above that there are more pro people out there doing yeah. this. Wow, that's yeah, scary. Exactly. And I had another story too. One of the guys from Patron, Russian guy, really cool. He actually went down to Mexico and was making it. And same thing, he was carrying the pinas and. He had to come back up after a while. I don't know how, I can't remember. He was down there for maybe a month or two or three and he started breaking out. He was just drinking so much mezcal. He, his body just couldn't like handle it. Like it was just so different. So I feel blessed, you know, obviously I have the Hispanic roots. So I'd love, like I've always loved tequila and mezcal. I've grown up drinking it, but you know, everyone's different. Everyone's got a blood type. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. almost I wish there was a test where people could get yeah. said this this is what you should drink. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jose, this this is what we this would be go yeah. well uh-huh. with you. Um, is, I mean, you, you had brought up the idea of like, there are some difficulties and challenges that you have faced with this business. Mm -hmm. What's one thing that you want more people to be more understanding with you and your company? Uh, It's a really good thing. Ivan showed me. It's very, it's very true. There's a difference between fans and supporters. And we have a lot of people that are out there that, you know, follow us and everything. And we're not we're not paying ourselves. Yeah. Ivan has a loan on his house. I cash him our four hundred one k, and we see the people that comment on our stuff. We see people that share. We see people that come to our stuff. And then there's a lot of people like, hey, I have this wedding, come here. And when they're not giving any value, or hey, I have a friend that has this insurance business and they want um, a donation for this. It's like we're so small. Like they're wanting. Mm-hmm. All these people are just trying to get stuff and like it, it, we're trying to, to grow and it's just so difficult to to say, you know, what like there's certain things that fit. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, yeah, we're totally gonna help. But it's so many people that want us to do so many different things and it's really hard because we're trying to find the right bartenders. Like they're so used to big brands having like Chotskis, like all kinds of stuff, like pins. Yeah. We're like, we don't have any of that yet. Like we we don't even <laughs> know we should have that stuff. And so it's like slowly trying to get stuff. Um and that's the big thing. It's it's people that are supporting us. Like that's the difference. Like you and Britt, you guys, we want you on the podcast. Like that's all. Like yeah, like, to tell our story makes such a difference. But then there's just so many people that just don't, um, you know, out of the blue. Hey, I haven't talked to you in five years, and it's like, I you know I appreciate it, but it, it someday someday yeah yeah when we're when we're big, we could do stuff like that, and it'll be so great. Uh, but that's the big thing is it, it's a challenge to find the right fits for us. And there's a certain point when me and me and Ivan are both part of different nonprofit groups that we help. And that was the big aha moment. We're not even, we're not even a big company yet. And we're getting asked for a bunch of different stuff out, out of the state. Like we get yeah. people saying, Hey, I want to do a um, review on your mezcal. How can I get bottles? And I'm like, you can come to Arizona and buy them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's those little things, but it's a lot of challenges that we, we get from it. But I love the people that support us and we, we see them and it's the bartenders that are coming out or the friends that are buying, like they're buying our hats. I have friends that bought multiple hats. I'm yeah. like, thank you so much. And you know, the bartenders that, that they're, they're used to getting free hats. They're like, I'll buy your hat. Like I'm going to, um, our good friend, Michael over at Sazerac, he was like, I'm going to buy some, I'm going to give yeah. some away and give some to our staff. I'm like, yeah. thank you so much. It's just so cool that, that people will do stuff like that. And it's just trying to find that balance of, of what makes sense in this world Mm -hmm. for us to be able to give because again you know we got these cool little cups we got made now and i would love to be able to give new accounts to to promote us but at the same time like 
we don't have the money or hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, someone will, will pay for them. So that at least it covers the cost for us. Yeah. And so it's just that, that balance of what makes sense for us. Um, but it's just, you know, a lot of people don't realize we're, we're just so small starting off. Yeah. You you're know, a family you, you've seen it. Yeah. You've yeah. grown from being in the very beginning. You're like, okay, now, now you can start making decisions on who you're going to bring on, yeah. who makes the most sense for you. Cause you're trying to tell a unique story. And if it's someone that, I don't know, you know, it's a smaller company, like, Hey, maybe, maybe you grow a little bit before you come to see us because yeah. we, we want to tell a, a bigger story for you when you're at that point. And so those are the things as you grow, you got to figure out, um, growing pains yeah as i like to call them yeah <laughs> it is it is and it, it's the right it's it's almost like the right times you know yeah certain things don't work out until they're at the, the right maybe yeah maybe right not right now but in the future yeah it's almost like sports it's not who you play but when you play them exactly yeah. one of the things that you brought up too is that you're that we also discussed off air is that the collaborations that you guys work mm-hmm. and do together one in particular that i'm very happy to say that you guys work with our friend um uh, communicative Q from Quinn from yep. Tucson. And he does the shirts now mm-hmm. with you guys with the, using the image of the agaves that you guys grow. And, um, you know, his shirts have always been my favorite, the Arizona state and just kind of the iconicness that mm-hmm. he does and the, the craftsmanship that he puts into every yep. shirt. Um, you know, Quinn is just, I think he's just a talented individual that just wants to, like us just wants to help support and you know collaborate with really great companies and business people and i think that you have one hell of a collaboration with him because that's someone that we've known for a very long time but also we feel like is definitely a part of the community in a big big way yeah he's doing big things down in tucson where he's from and then up here he's, he's in flag uh me and him we've we've had some mezcal moments where i'm down there and we just hung out and he <laughs> he, he came to one of our our screenings for our film down there and it shows like that you know um support and it's just so awesome and our urban we call them our urban agave t-shirts and right now they're not of actual our agaves that we're growing they're actually oh, really? they're actually thought- photos of agaves again we're trying to i tell people we're not in the mezcal business we're in the bridge building business okay we're trying to build a bridge from here to oaxaca so arizona yeah. oaxaca so we actually took photos from our botanical garden here in phoenix nice we're gonna have those because each one each one of those shirts we sell, we're going to plant an urban agave in Phoenix or in Tucson. It. So like the first few versions are going to be of the agaves here. Here. And yeah. then later versions will be of our agaves down in Oaxaca. Nice. And it's just that kind of that unique way. But then now people will have, I'm sure when you wear that shirt, people go, oh, that's a really cool shirt. Yeah. You, you, it's a talking point. Yep. Um, now people will say, oh, it's a cool shirt. And it's actually from the garden here. And help support we, we planted an urban agave yeah. and so we're working with a couple of nonprofits, phoenix um clean and beautiful and tucson clean and beautiful mm-hmm. to put the agaves out there and um in different like urban environments and then yeah. hopefully my, my plan is to do some cool events where it's like hey everybody that bought the shirt we're going to meet up here and we're going to plant all these agaves and afterwards we're going to go to a local you know Th- thunderbird lounge down the way yeah. and we're going to drink I would love I would love for there. that event to happen. Right. I love it so much is that I would love to introduce you to Keep Nature Wild. It's a local okay. brand here that does specializes in um, what they do is they their all of their clothing and items go to support um, their little events, which basically are cleanup trash, mm. um, and they do it uh, mostly like every, once every month. And uh, they are very big advocates for nature and 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 uh, the wildlife and you know wanting to preserve trails and things like that for the outdoors and mm-hmm. for people in general. And so they are here in Mesa and they do fantastic jobs doing the events and they coordinate really well. And you know overall their events are surprisingly fun and surprisingly big too as well. I would love to introduce you to them because a they'd be a fantastic kind of combo with you guys and how you guys operate and b just because i think it would be fun for you guys to meet each other i think you guys would get along just right and it would be fun for everyone involved i think it would be a fun little event too for them because they've never done a (laughs) an event like this where they would probably do like food and drinks afterwards they always just do just the cleanup everyone go home after that thank you for all your help mm-hmm. but you know it'd be fun to kind of get into something new in there for them yeah so like our whole thing with like our with mezcal for us it, it's communal like we you know we like to share like the the wet it's the ceremony yeah one, my second time ever having 
it was, we were down at a wedding in Oaxaca and literally like as we're coming out of the church, um, Santo Domingo, Iglesias down there, like they were, they had pours of mezcal. So you nice. walked out, boom, and then there's your mezcal. Yeah. It's just simply that celebratory side. And for us, food is a very important part because you get to sit down and eat with someone and, you know, mezcals, our mezcal is meant to be sipped. Most yeah. mezcal is meant to be sipped versus yeah. shooting that people think with tequila. And that's just another way that I think people can make, like we've seen it, people make friends over over dinner tables yeah. all the time. That's what people would like to Absolutely. go to bars because you sit down and someone next to you has a cool shirt and then yeah. you start diving in and then oh, no, this and this. <laughs> you start and then, talking and uh, then it goes yeah. all the way around. Yeah. 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 Uh, we're reaching the end here and I want to talk to you about so much more, but we're reaching the end again. You've, you've made feels this short. So, yeah, it feels short, but you've made it so interesting and fun. And I, there's a lot that I have to ask, but it's like the one thing I always end this on is what are some of the goals that you and Ivan have for the future? And what can we do to make this come to life? Cause I always love making dreams come true. If we can speak truth into reality right now, what are some of the goals that you guys have? So our, our goal, it's purpose, passion and people. And our purpose is to support the families down in Oaxaca. Um, not just ours, but the other ones. And we're doing that through growing this business where, you know, the shirts we're bringing up, the Salve Cusano, we're, we're, mm -hmm. we're having our little brother Pedro do art. So there's all these things that besides the mezcal that we're really, that again, it's that whole bridge of culture that we're trying to bring up. Um, the passion is just, if you come to our events, you'll see we're doing things like painting nights. We're doing food pairings. We're, we're trying to mm -hmm. show you and have you experience what really is Oaxaca and mezcal culture and the people I think, me and Ivan are now to the point where we have to build a team to, to grow because we're, <laughs> I, my car literally today it hit 130,000 miles on it. And I was like, is that 1,000 or uh, 29, 9999? Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I was like, God, I haven't looked at this in a long time. Just, <laughs> I noticed all the nines, not my favorite number. I was like, man, I've been driving a lot this past year now, way more than I've ever drove because yeah. it's just nonstop delivering and, and meeting accounts. And so I think once people have a chance to meet us and, and, see our passion i think our passion is very evident yeah that they'll fall in love with the spirit and and try it and whether it's something that they're their go-to it, it will give them a story to say hey mm -hmm. they see it at the bar and they have a friend from out of town or they're doing a a, a gift for someone and you get the holidays coming up it's something they can give that's not just a liquid it's like it's a story and a person behind it mm -hmm. and so we have so many different ways people can come out and and just experience i think once they experience it They'll come back with um, a better, it goes to one of my sayings, education leads to appreciation. Yep. And we're big believers on the education side, not just sip the spirit, but like fill the spirit and hear what, hear what's about. And so that I think 100%. Um, coming out to see those moments and, and be a part of it. Cause we, we do a lot. So if you're not even a drinker, like we have some cool stuff that you can learn about. Absolutely. Or if you like to eat, we have, we're, doing a dinner with the Phoenician next month. Like we have all these yeah. like, super cool things that are in the works. So you guys do a lot. And I have to state this when you, when I saw your guys's um, social media, your Instagram account, I was like, what you guys are doing a lot. You've done dinner nights mm -hmm. for sure. You've done um, an actual like collaboration with a, a chef on one, on a, one of your drinks or one of the food pairings. Uh, we've done them actually Chef Juan from Chula Seafood, Chef That's Sammy from yeah. uh, Four Seasons. Like we've, the chefs, chefs love our mezcal. Um, awesome. They're, they're probably some of our biggest advocates. They try it and they can taste the quality and depth and they're like, hmm, I want to put it with this and yeah, I want to mix it with this or I want to pair it with this. And that's the fun, like Tandy over at um, the Phoenician, she's, I'm trying to, Iowa or Montana. And she's using her, again, she's going to put her spin Mm -hmm. on the cuisine to pair with the mezcal and that's what i love you know is it she she has a passion for this mexican yeah. spirit even though she's not there she she tastes the quality and the love for it, and she wants to do something with it and the the chefs have been some of our biggest supporters um, beautiful in the beginning so far i love that and yeah. i love the fact that again it comes it roots back to that education on those side the education behind it i think once the chefs learn about it and once they realize and like you said taste the quality there's no going back from that. Like you have, and I've always said this about our podcast too. It's like, I want people to walk away and feel like they're your friend and they know more about you and feel connected to you because at the end of the day, that's what's going to put dollars to buy yeah. your items. And that's what goes with anyone who walks in through these doors. It's just like, I've 100% just want to get 
them to that opportunity. If one person who hears this podcast says, hey, look, Abel has a beautiful story. I want to taste one of like I want to go to one of his events and taste this stuff. Then I've done my job, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Storytelling is important. Early on, me and Ivan were doing our Mezcal Mondays in our backyard. Uh, we were like, you know, trying to figure out how to say this stuff. And they're like, the story sells. And it gave us, we're like, well, we got that. Because this is marketing <laughs> plans and doing all these promotions. And one of the bartenders very early on, because we don't come from that world. They're like, yeah, all you, all you need is a story. And we, yeah. once we told Mars, like, yeah, you guys are good. Like, that's what, that's what we use to sell. And I never you know, not being ever on that side of the bar, I never realized that's what they were doing, mm-hmm. but that's how they sell. And so yeah. that's, that's why you guys are, you know, it's huge to be on this amazing podcast. It's very local focused, hyper local. We're Arizona exclusive. So for me, it goes back to that pride thing of being Arizona. Yeah. The fact we're on finding Arizona, people can find us only here. It kind of yeah. correlates. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And able, I mean, you being ASU grad and you being, you know, just overall fantastic guy and just overall, like you have, surprised me just by the amount of you did what you did at our wedding but you've surprised me with um how much you've given away in your conversation and in your um business i mean i went to your website it's fantastic the way that you guys um show how you know you guys make mm-hmm. everything and then you're very open about how the process is 100 percent all the way around you guys are you know, basically artists, you guys want yeah. people to just enjoy this um, spirit and you want everyone to enjoy the story behind it. So congratulations to you. Best of luck. Before we go, we got to taste some of this stuff. I yeah, want people ready? to hear. I am so ready. Um, you want to give them a little bit of background on this one again? Yeah. So I'll describe it. So our, our bottles are very unique. They have this um, small bubble dot design that goes around the top. And it's based off of the Zapotec. So Zapotec are the indigenous people in Oaxaca. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's Thank a beautiful you. temple called Montalban. You're welcome. And inside one of the chambers, one of the kings, he was buried with this studded cup. So that's our inspiration for it. So every time you're drinking from Escal Carreño, you're drinking from a king's cup. Nice. What I have here, yeah. It's, it's just, again. That's a good story. We're all about culture and story. And so what we have is our Tobasiche. Tobasiche looks like a Joshua tree. And it takes 12 to 14 years to grow. Before we harvest it, that's some of the ones you saw that look really long. They look like logs when we're when we're um, chopping them down to, to cook them. And it really has, so for the flavor notes on this one, cedar, papaya, and root. You get a little bit of earthiness. You get that sweetness. You can smell the cedar. You can, yep. And it's just, it's one of my favorites in terms of the smell. And I, I walk out a lot of meetings where I'm with bar managers and they go, I don't like mezcal, but I like this. And it's just simply I haven't tried, you know, it's coming. Mezcal is the oldest spirit in the Americas. And just people hadn't really known about its quality and it's 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 fun to share. So salud compa. Salud. Oh yeah. That uh oh yeah. I like that a lot. That was that's a tasty drink. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) and that'll end our podcast today. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to kick it to you. Okay. Let everyone know where they can find you online and any of the upcoming events. I want upcoming events yep. so that people can go out and seek what you guys are doing. Everything and anything. Your time to promote. What's go. our lead time on this? A week? Uh, let's go two weeks. Just to two weeks. All right. So I might get. All right. So um, Carreño. So that's how you say it, you guys. It's C-A-R-R-E-N-O. Um, we have a website, mezcalcarreñous.com. All of our socials are mezcalcarreñous. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. Obviously, if you want to find our events, they're on our website and Facebook. You can see everything that we have going up. Um, we have the dinner planned at the Phoenician next month. We have a mixology class we're going to be doing every month at Little Woody in Arcadia, where we're going to teach you how to make some unique cocktails using nice. mezcal, carreño. Um, and then we have uh, in Gilbert, we're doing a partnership with Pescado Baracho out there and doing some different mezcal Mondays. So really, we're trying to focus on some of the days where it's not that busy and to get people out to, again, support these local businesses and have them enjoy the, the great cuisine that, that's out there at all these different spots. And maybe go to a spot you haven't been because that's the thing we do. We, we find these really cool spots that maybe you've wanted to go and hopefully we give you a reason to show up and you know support just a local business that's supporting another local business because your your money more of your money stays here when you're buying something local absolutely just keep that in mind when you're looking at christmas gifts and everything else our our bottles range from anywhere from 106 to 120 dollars we're in a bunch of different spots 
uh, across the state where you can purchase them for for gifts for your home bar and uh you know we got some candles coming out too so different nice. different uniques and our beautiful custom copitas so uh mezcal in us and we appreciate all of you appreciate jose and Britt bringing me on here no problem and, uh, diving into this and before we go, ladies and gentlemen, you can hear every episode of our podcast at FindingArizonaPodcast.com. We do have social media available for you guys. That's Finding Arizona Podcast at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Easy for you guys to connect with us. Last but not least, we do have a way for you to become a super fan and support us so we can help support guys like Abel and everyone else who comes through our door. It is called Fine Examination. It is 50 questions that we ask every guest who comes through our door. Abel will be taking the challenge Woo-hoo. next up. Uh, so join us over at patreon.com slash finding Arizona podcast and we will see you on the next one. Good night, y'all. Adios, guys.